Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Here we are off to the races on a Saturday morning. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. This is FST Fantasy Sports Today. I'm your host, Mike Blewett. I'm here with Joe Galena, as we are every Saturday. I could not be more happy to be here and be on air uh, because I have dealt with an entire week of just absolute butt-kicking illnesses for my entire family. Oh, my uh, God. I was in the throes <laughs> of it, but I had the least of it. When there's a stomach flu in your oh. house, I can tell you the last place you want to be <laughs> is in your house. And I had to do it. When when your wife is sick and you have two little kids, you have no other options but to pitch in, right? So that happened, and I had to rearrange schedules and take some time off and, you know, miss a show here and, and all that other kind of stuff. But... Uh, I had a cough and cold. I'm through it. I think I'm finally relatively healthy. Forgive me if I cough, but uh, Joe, I I have to say this with all my heart. It's good to talk to you, buddy. <laughs> it's good to be with you as well. I'm glad to see that you've kind of escaped from uh, you know getting a, a major illness. You, you, you had a little bit, how. but you had, yeah, you had a little bit, and then you. you I seem to be that way too. Like uh, in my home, let's say if my uh, wife gets sick, she she's sick for weeks. <laughs> you know, she, yeah. like a cold will linger, but you know, I'll get sick Same. for a day or two, and then uh, I'm I'm back. So uh, you know, yeah. I'm glad to see that you're here today, and glad yeah. uh, we're gonna have some fun today. My wife can't suck it up either. She gets sick and she's <laughs> down for the count for a long time. So. Mm-hmm. She's sort of back on her feet now, not 100%, but it is, uh, you know, that's bad times. When you, uh, like, I thought I was dead man walking. I was like, well, it's just a matter of time, and I'm going to get this thing too, and it's going to be terrible. But I avoided it, and uh, happy holiday weekend to many of you out there. Happy Easter upcoming. We got Passover coming up as well, so we're we're in the throes of Passover. So uh, happy holidays to everybody. So, all right. Let's uh, turn it to baseball. We'll do baseball in this first hour. Second hour, we'll have Emery Hunt back on to talk more NFL draft. The draft only five days away now. Shout out to Nashville. I'm sure they'll have a great time. That's a great city from what I've heard. I've never made it there. It's probably the number one city on my hit list. Um, I've technically been to Austin, even though I've not hung out. What Shocked at what? At what a party town that Nashville is. Uh, Oh, uh, Nash Vegas, baby. Yeah, and I believe it's number two in uh, bachelorette parties for for. I, uh, f- I've heard many times that. That's the <laughs> yeah, case. yeah, and yeah. Uh, I think Broadway Street is is the main strip, and there's just bar upon bar upon bar. Definitely, uh, uh, you you should definitely take a visit there. Uh, yeah, for some reason, it's just kind of avoided me. I, I've traveled a fair amount, but uh, there's a couple of cities that have avoided me, and Nashville, it, Seattle. It happens. Austin. I just haven't been able to hang out. I've been to Austin. I just haven't been able to really hang out and experience it. So, uh, all right. So we're going to do some baseball here. I am excited about the draft. I've obviously been doing a a bunch of homework there. And uh, Emery Hunt's going to help fill in the gaps there. Uh, Ed Oliver is the the big riser on the draft boards. Finally, it's something we talked about on this show a couple of months ago. I just thought that people would, would eventually come to their senses on him. I do think he's a potentially premier defensive player in the league, and you're seeing mock drafts now with him in the top uh, five, maybe the top three to the New York Jets. So we'll talk about that when we get a chance. So uh, no other way to lead off the show than talking about what is the biggest story right now in MLB, and that's that Jacob deGrom 
has been shut down, at least for a short period of time. He's going to be retroactive on the DL to April 16th, which means he can come off uh, six days from now on Friday, April 26th. He had been dealing with an illness, which obviously I completely understand. There have been illnesses going around this area of the country, perhaps all over the country, but certainly here in the New York area. So he's been dealing with an illness. And then when he tried to throw yesterday, he said his elbow was, quote, barking, or the Mets said his elbow was, quote, barking, which will lead to an MRI, which means that the five-year – uh, $137.5 million contract extension that he just signed, which let me get the exact day that he signed it, March 26th, less than a month ago, three weeks ago, is already, may already have a black cloud over it. So I said to Joe right before the show, I, was li- I just happened to turn on local New York sports radio. Mike Francesa, that many of you know who he is quite well, was taking calls of Mets fans that had just heard the news and were already freaking out and assuming he's out for the year. As you rightfully said, Joe, MRI is bad news, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't just get an MRI just, you know, for the sake of it. Uh, Mets are trying to play this off uh, just a uh, purely precautionary move. But, hey, you know, (laughs) Teams have been known to, to, to lie. And, you know, I understand with Met fans uh, assuming the worst because they've had issues with their team and uh, the way that they've handled injuries in the past. And, uh, you know, it's definitely unfortunate. And, I mean, uh, DeGrom had been signed up until 2020, but the Mets uh, did what a lot of people feel was the right thing in, in signing him to that extension. And you got to hope and, and, and have faith in the Mets organization that they uh, did their due diligence and, and, and just making sure that, uh, you know, leading up to the signing of that contract that he was uh, totally healthy. Hopefully it is nothing because, uh, you know, the Mets are a fun team this year, man. When you look at, uh, you know, McNeil and Alonso and, uh, you know, the the, the core of this Mets team over the past couple of years you know, was that pitching staff. So uh, DeGrom, uh, they definitely need DeGrom in there and uh, hopefully it's nothing serious. Yeah, I mean, I was freaking out i mean i'm still freaking out because chris sale has been garbage so far and in our draft that joe and i are in the same league in i picked sale i think i picked 12th and i picked sale and degrom went one behind me so there was a lot of consternation for me as to whether or not i made the right decision because sale has been off to a bad start but the start wouldn't be he hasn't hit the IL yet, so in that sense, it's a positive uh, as we see what happens with DeGrom. Obviously, we don't have that much information yet. The MRI is probably happening. I believe it's happening today, right? So you'll see it's Easter Sunday. They're not going to release news then. You probably figure you hear about it Monday, right? That would probably be the first news that you would suspect yeah, to hear I would about think so. It. So mm-hmm. that is the big news of the day. And what will the Mets do? Would they be... They can't punt the season just because Jacob DeGrom got hurt. As you said, there's a little bit more juice in the lineup right now, and they would be a prime candidate to sign Keuchel. That it also would be antithetical to what the Mets' have approach has been in recent years. Yes, they gave DeGrom this extension, but they have been... And to their credit, they added Robbie Cano, even though he's an expensive... Um, asset so they spent a little bit more money Brody Van Wagenen has said that they have there's no restrictions on him as a general manager why is it that Dallas Keuchel hasn't been locked up by another team I don't know but it seems like the Mets would be a prime candidate if DeGrom is out for an extended period of time yeah, and uh, another guy to think of is uh, Gio Gonzalez, who signed the minor league contract with the Yankees, uh, where uh, he's expected to opt out. He had an opt-out option on that uh, contract, where if he does, the Yankees have two days by which they need to add him to their major league roster. So, uh, you know, I guess there's tampering rules in place, but there's rumors that, hey, if uh, the Yankees don't, uh, move uh, Gonzalez to their major league roster that they'd be interested in uh, in adding uh, Gonzalez and and when it comes to to Keuchel, at this stage uh, from what I've heard and uh, you you don't know what's true is that I th- he's looking for uh, a, a 
contract that's in line with what uh, the uh, uh, Astros had offered him. They offered him uh, a $17.9 million uh, salary uh before he became a free agent that he rejected because he wanted a multi-year deal. So now it's almost like pride where you know he wants to uh, uh, try to get at least what he would have taken, you know, what the Astros had originally offered him. So uh, you have Keiko, you have... Uh, He's got to prorate uh, it now. Gonzalez. He's got to knock it yeah, off. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. So... so. There are, man, it, it is amazing now to see how these stories start piling up, right, of guys that turn down deals that they never were able to get. Ian Desmond is probably the one that jumps out to me the most when he turned down his $100 million deal. Um, he hasn't clawed much of it back, to be honest. And then you have guys like um, Yasmani Grandal, who turned down $60 million to take – 17 or 18 with the Brewers. Probably mm-hmm. a better situation team-wise, but if you're a catcher and you're getting up there and somebody throws $60 million down, I bet you nobody turns that down again, Joe. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, the good thing, I guess, with with Grandal is that now at least uh, he's in a good situation where he's in a hitter's ballpark with Milwaukee, That's a, right. a competitive team. So I guess, you know, eh, you know, $60 million being on a competitive team, uh, I think I'd take the $60 million, I guess. <laughs> but you still want to play for a competitive, competitive team. But uh, those yeah. are two very good, uh, very good uh, examples there, Mike. Yeah, so um... – as far as Keiko is concerned, I, I think now it's all falling away. It's really weird that a guy that that's that's that talented just can't find a roster. Obviously, it's because he's digging in on the money, and now mm-hmm. it seems like he's just got to go to a team on a prove-it deal and then try to get a two-year deal after this, right? His style of pitching is not in vogue right now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Pitching to contact is not in vogue. They want swings and miss. They want you missing bats, and that's not really his game. I, I do think it's strange that MLB can't accommodate different styles of pitchers in that respect. I, I would imagine there's a place for him. He's obviously been effective in the majors, but as he gets up there, I think there's just an assumption that he'll start to get hit harder as opposed to miss, as opposed to still working his sinker and pitching to contact. Yeah, you, you bring up a good point. His style of of, of pitching, like you said, is uh, not what, uh, you know, it's not sexy anymore, right? And the fact yeah. that he's uh, 31 years old, too, uh, it's almost like a curse. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are a few pitchers like uh, Verlander, uh, but different style pitcher who just got an extension. But uh, it seems like automatically these days, uh, anyone over 30 is in, in, in the bigs is kind of looked down upon. But the, you're right. There are plenty of teams that could use him. I mean, uh, you know, I, I look at uh, the Oakland A's who uh, are uh, – 11 and 11 you know uh you know the the indians have lost the uh, clevenger for a very long time i mean there's plenty of of spots where he could go uh i think he's just gotta you know uh, lower his demands at this stage that's i'm guessing it has to be money related yeah i mean the the negatives that you look at him last year he faced the most batters in the entire league last year he threw 200 innings he gave up 211 hits uh and 58 walks so there are numbers that you look at which are you know frankly from his Cy Young year in 2015 last year was a was a tough year even though he threw he started more games he started the most games in the league last year 34 so he was healthy last year um he wasn't entirely healthy in 2017 when he was an all-star by the way so We'll see. We'll see if that's the answer. Uh, last question on this DeGrom thing, and I want to move over to Kike Hernandez very quickly. What do you think are the chances that the Yankees do add Gio Gonzalez to the Major League roster? Uh, I think it's a pretty good chance because not only uh, have there been whispers that the the Mets uh, are interested in him, I haven't heard any rumors uh, of this, but look, if you look at what uh, their arch rival uh, Red Sox, they're, they're uh, starting pitching staff has been decimated. Who knows? Maybe uh, they might be interested in a guy like Gio. And let's face it, I mean, we don't know 
exactly when Luis Severino is going to be back. We're thinking, That's you right. know, late June, uh, early July. Uh, you know, even if they, uh, you know, move him to the major league roster and uh, you know put him in the in, in the bullpen to start. I mean, you can, in my opinion, you can never have too many, uh, uh, too much starting pitching. I totally agree. Um, and I, I go back to two years ago when Mets fans. I remember the dynamic with the Mets a couple of years ago. It was the year after they won the World Series, I believe, when they had basically seven starters. And there was a yeah. lot of talk, well, which guy do we move? Do we move Seth Lugo? Do we move Robert Gesellman? Do we move Zach Wheeler? Because he can get more of a return, and Wheeler's been dealing with injuries. And a bunch of guys got hurt. So not only did they need seven, they probably needed nine. And I just think that's... That's the name of the game now. Guys aren't throwing as many innings. Guys are ramping it up. 50% of the roster, the pitching roster, is going to get hurt. Uh, I just think, yeah, it, it, guys are getting their maybe, – maybe guys are getting their pride hurt by starting in the bullpen. But I tell Gio Gonzalez, man, like wait two weeks. CeCe's old. J.A. Happ is mm-hmm, old. Mm-hmm. Right. One of Paxton these guys has a history go of going on the DL, on the IL. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I, honestly – I would go six-man rotation almost all the time now. I really would. I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I don't see why teams, more teams don't do it. We're going to come back. We'll talk about my six-man rotation idea, which is not original. And the Kiki Hernandez hitting the bomb off a of hater. We'll be right back after this on FST. It's a Saturday morning edition. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Welcome back to FST, Saturday morning edition. It's Mike and Joe. So we're just hanging out, talking baseball, talking some football as well in the next hour. But we were talking right before the break about the six-man rotation idea. And I'm surprised it hasn't been a more widely utilized thing. Now, I, I guess the assumption that one would make or the counter to my idea which I, I, I suspect isn't original at all. There's, teams have used it sparingly. But maybe guys are throwing less innings. There's more of a, ter- there's more of a, uh, a move to uh, using the bullpen after the fifth inning and getting guys out quickly. So does it matter if there's a six-man rotation if guys really aren't throwing that many innings when they start the game? Um, I guess it's a little bit of simple math. You can do it either way. But considering the amount of times we see guys go on the IL for a break or we're going to push back his start, or we see it a lot. Especially we've seen it already with Chris Sale. We see it with other guys consistently throughout the season. Uh, we don't need to push him early in the season. All right, why not just open the season with a six-man rotation? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all for it, uh, you know, for the reasons that you uh, bring up. And, and maybe next year, I, I believe that they're going to expand the roster to 26 players. So uh, maybe uh, teams could add an extra uh, reliever. So yeah. if they do. Go but they are the going to limit rotation. the amount of pitchers, right, uh, on the 26-man mm. roster. I think there is going to be a cap on the number of pitchers. Now, teams push it as it is now. Um, They won't allow you to stack with like 14 pitchers, for example. (laughs) I think it's going to be limited to 12 or 13. I can't remember, Mm -hmm. but teams are basically doing that now. So I don't know that it adds the number of pitchers, but that is the way things are going, right? You need so many arms with relievers throwing more often. I know you you just need an abundance of relievers or go to the six-man rotation and have everybody throw five innings. What do you think of the opener? How do you like the opener that Tampa Bay has been using? I, I kind of well, they won freaking ninety games. Well, how the yeah, hell would I doubt yeah. it? Yeah, 
Yeah, and they used it last night. I mean, they they lost the Red Sox. Uh, six the Brewers use it in the playoffs. The, the A's right? use it. Like it's not. I don't like it because I mean, <laughs> I, I don't like it with a small L, only because I'm a, a bit of a traditionalist, and I think it's cool to see guys throw shutouts and go deep into games. And but that's how I grew up. I have to be try to be progressive in. Um, with new ideas, right? If you're if you're such a traditionalist in baseball and you're railing against the shift and you hate the opener and you don't like the fact that guys strike out so much, then you're gonna really start to hate baseball. So yeah. I, I I try to be mindful of that in order to keep my love for baseball alive. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, if you if you take a look at the game uh, when we were kids, it's it's changed tremendously right like a you know i always look to to reggie jackson who was one of my favorite players growing up and and what's he known for he's known as a strikeout guy right so you yeah. look at his he's the most strikeouts career. ever in in the hall right but you know what his strikeout rate is for his career 22.7 which is you know when you take a look at compared to you know some of the guys that are in the league today the twenty-two point seven is kind of tame, <laughs> and meanwhile, yeah. Reggie was looked at as like you know the strikeout guy of his time, of his era. So yeah, uh, I agree with you. you. You need to move with the times. Uh, you know, I don't love the, the opener, but you, like you said, you can't. Uh, you, it's been successful. I mean, the 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 Rays have been kind of like one of the more uh, you know innovative teams of the past ten years. You know, they introduced the shift. They've had whatnot. to be. Hey, they yeah, don't have any money. I mean, hey, They've had to be. And if you don't like. Yeah, and if you don't like the shift, th- learn to bunt. <laughs> you know, play against the shift, <laughs> right. and they won't shift right. against you anymore. And by the way, they're, they're all the analytics, all the analytics on the on the teams are telling the players that are hitting into the shift keep hitting into it, because mm-hmm. you're better. Because your sweet spot is to hit where they're playing you. You just got to hit it a little bit where they ain't, and we need you to hit it over the wall. So right, right. If you're Bryce angle. Harper. If you're Bryce Harper, they don't want you bunting. They don't. So you're not going to bunt. Every once in a while, try to keep them honest. You know what? It's not going to keep them honest. They're just going to play you in the shift, and you hit it over their heads. That's really the way it is now. It's, you know, again, if you're if you're really dug in and being a traditionalist in these sports, then it's not going to be fun for you. If I'm an M- I like the NBA, too. Everybody shoots threes now. When you look back at what Larry Bird shot during a, a given season or the threes that he would make, it is a fraction of what Steph Curry does now, a fraction. And if you look at the NFL and all the rules to try to keep it, quote-unquote, safer, I say, quote-unquote, because it still isn't particularly safe, then you're going to be miserable. The NFL isn't as fun to watch when I was younger, but I still love it. It's, it's just different. And they do have to be safer. It, they are trying to evolve. So I'm trying to evolve with it. I, I just think mm-hmm. in being a sports fan, yes, you can object to things that you don't like. Uh, I can't think what my most vehement objection is right now in sports. You know what my biggest problem in all of sports is? That there's no microchip in the football for them to spot it. So obvious, That's my biggest right? gripe so in all of sports. There's <laughs> yeah. technology surrounding us. In every aspect of our lives, but these gentlemen that are over 50, and I'm not making fun of their age because I'm in my mid-40s, and I just, in this last three months, (laughs) developed the uh, unfortunate uh, um, need to wear readers. I can't can't read... I can't read without holding a paper away from my face anymore. I still haven't actually gone out and bought the readers, but right around Christmas time is when I noticed I needed them. I had 20-20 vision my whole life, so um, I need readers now. It sucks I, to read the computer. The computer screen's a little easier because it's bright, but anyway, I say this and to you. I hate to tell you, I, I once you that, start with them, it, it, it gets worse. Because I, I know. I, uh, That's why I'm not like doing you, it. Like you, I had 2020 vision, and then I got just reading glasses, prescription reading yeah. glasses. And ever since then, it's been downhill, Mike. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. So. That's why I'm not buying it. I, I'm, still, I'm still in denial. But anyway, mm-hmm. for them to <laughs> – excuse me. <clears throat> I told you I was a little under the weather. So – for them to spot the football accurately down to the inch when we could just have a chip doing that, it just doesn't make sense to me. So that's my biggest gripe. I'm all over mm-hmm. the map here. 
But my point yeah, is that no, but I love that. How, how could I? <clears throat> How how could I reject the opener if it's going to work? It seems mm-hmm. you know, it seems uh, uh, ridiculous to some, but if it's going to work and it's going to save pitchers and have people be more effective, then so be it. I, I think people I are on board. Yeah, I think people are on board with without with limiting the pitching changes. I know it's one of the rules that's uh, mm-hmm. going to be instituted, but I think. I think I'm down with that. But what's funny is that I think MLB thinks a lot of this stuff is going to speed up the game, but it's mm-hmm. not really going to speed it up much. It really isn't. Right. Right. I, I think that's There's uh, too many a strikeouts. reason. Yeah. I think that's a big reason why they want to kind of limit the uh, number of pitching changes, the number of mound visits you could do. But you touched yeah. upon being the, uh, like a traditionalist. And let me just ask you a quick thing about – a story that's been in the news all week when it comes to baseball is the the uh, the bat flips and the and the and the pitchers retaliating and throw. What do you think of all that? I mean, uh, it's a great point. Yeah, it's a great kinda, point. Um, yeah, that that is something that I think initially I I'm a that's a perfect example of trying to be of trying to evolve because if I was a pitcher and I played baseball growing up. If that happened when we when I was younger, people would have lost their minds. But <laughs> it's it's part of, and, and I'm not saying this in a negative fashion. It's part of the influence of Latin baseball players. They're they're far more celebratory than some old school American players are. I think that's a part of it. You know, Jose Bautista had the most famous bat flip ever, and it became a controversy. Um, I don't know where you <laughs> yes. draw the line. As Marcus Stroman has said, and by the way, Tim Anderson is being suspended for what he said, not for the bat flip. Correct. Uh, yes. Use people the think it's yes. people are sort of uh, utilizing this to say, well, what's wrong with bat flips? I mean, MLB hasn't said there's anything wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You don't throw the bat at anybody. It's fine. You know, this whole policing the game, though, I, I saw a tweet the other day from Aubrey Huff. Saying if somebody did that, I, I'd call for the next pitch a hundred to the guy's head. Like, what are we talking about? We start hitting people in the head, like Bob Gibson used to do, because they bat. Fl- Bob Gibson would throw it at your head if you dug into the batter's box. Forget the bat right, flip; he'd right. kill you if you bat flipped him. But um, I, I don't know where the line is, Joe, because obviously we've seen this in other sports. Um, in basketball, you get dunked on, you get stared down, uh, and mm-hmm. the NCA got rid of it. The the NBA has limited it to, in some extent. In the NFL, every time there's a first down, somebody's celebrating. I think it's all sort of ridiculous. Get back to the huddle, and but I'm not going to stop anybody from doing it. I I, I don't, I don't want to be the old man yells at the cloud guys you know what i mean <laughs> in the background let's face it these sports that we watch uh we you know we watch them because we love the game we love the competition but at the other end of the spectrum is that it's entertainment but uh, but also at the same time uh you know you on a personal level uh i don't like to show up people you know uh, but yeah but you know in a way it's it is a uh you know, I guess you let your emotions get out of the, you know, get the best of you. And uh, you know, I liked what uh, Randall Grichik uh, tweeted out. That, you know, act like you've that th- this isn't the first time that you did it. So I'm kind of, you know, look, I I do not believe in in head hunting. <laughs> I mean, that's just nuts to, to say. Yeah. You know, to 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 advocate that. Depends somebody's but, career. Uh, you could badly after, career life. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I, it's not my style necessarily, but you know what? In the heated moment of competition, even guys that say it's not really my style would get into it and bark at people, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was Larry Bird on the basketball court or, you know, Magic Johnson is a fun-loving guy. He trash-talked people and, <laughs> you know, in the heat of the moment, um, guys that were sort of muted in their response they would get into it pe- with people and bark at people there's competitive moments there's a lot of juices flowing uh, i don't think you should bat flip every time but if it's a big moment and you want to do it and that's your style so be it uh like marcus right. stroman said also in defending tim anderson marcus stroman said it's my job to get you out if you hit a home run mm-hmm. you want to celebrate that's fine but if i strike you out in a big spot don't come after me because i'm fist pumping 
and I'm doing whatever you want. Mark Stroman, a local guy for Joe and I, he's uh, from Long Island. So I can appreciate that sentiment, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Get the guy out or or don't strike out or, or whatever it is. So uh, that I get. So it, it is a big story. I do think it's it, it takes on too much of a life of its own, but so be it. You know, I, I'm a Steelers fan, and uh, the Antonio Brown saga is over to for for the most part. <laughs> but a couple of years ago, he took three penalties in like the first six games for celebrating after a touchdown because of the rules that were in place at the time. And it's like first time. All right, let's just try to not do that again. Second time, right, it's right, like, right. hey, we had this conversation. Can we just not take penalties every time you score a touchdown? He did it a third time, and it was like Tomlin was like, "Enough, you have to stop. <laughs> right, right. We can't be kicking the we can't be kicking the ball off from the twenty every time. It's just mm-hmm. absurd." So that's where it gets. That's certainly one line that had been crossed with the bat flips. Look, it's a new generation of players, and it's going to keep happening and you just have to get used to it. You cannot like it, but if you get really incensed over it, I think you'll have a miserable time watching baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there are some people you know, bringing, bringing the story back to, to football that uh, don't like the uh, celebrations in the, um, in the end zone after a touchdown. Personally, I do like kind of get a, I get a kick out of them, you know, like yeah. uh, when you get the teams lining up as if they're bowling pins and then uh, they get knocked down. Yeah. I mean, they're just so creative. Right. <laughs> like it, it was so stodgy before for them to throw a flag every time somebody tried mm-hmm. to celebrate something. Don't use the ball as a prop. Remember that stuff? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you use the ball as a prop, even slightly to get a 15 yard penalty, it's like, come on, man. Like, just give them a little bit of room. The NCAA is even worse. Uh, with that kind of stuff and shutting it down. But nonetheless, uh, good discussion there. I want to talk about Kike Hernandez because he hit an 0-2 pitch off of Josh Hader for a three-run homer to give the Dodgers a 5-3 comeback victory over the Brewers and extend their win streak to six. It's the first time he ever homered on an 0-2 pitch, and it's the first time Hader ever gave up a home run on an 0-2 pitch. Kike Hernandez came in on a double switch late in the game and hit a bomb. He just he actually thought it was a one one count, but he hit just a fastball right over the middle of the plate and he hit a bomb, a ninety five and a half mile an hour fastball apparently. And Kike Hernandez, who was <coughs> excuse me, slowing down in the last week or so, comes in with a huge pinch uh pinch hit homer basically. Yeah, and uh you know, he uh, was <laughs> Uh, given that starting second baseman's job uh, just before the start of the season, you know, mm-hmm. he's a nice player. You know, g- give you uh, yeah, twenty or so home runs, uh, and uh, it's good to see him. Like you know, come out of that little slump. Yeah, for fantasy players, Spe- he's currently especially hitting. against Hater. Mm-hmm. No kidding, uh, last guy you mm-hmm. expect that to happen against. Uh, on the season, hitting two ninety two, five homers, fourteen ribbies. To your point, he was a guy I got really late in our draft. Yeah, and he has a ton. I was of looking for him when you took him. <laughs> yeah, and he has a ton of positional flexibility, which is his ultimate saving grace. He may not hit in two ninety two for the year, and maybe he'll have some considerable slumps, like the one he just went through. But his positional flexibility and the fact that he's in there almost every day is a big positive for me. And uh, his uh, just looking at some of his uh, his metric, his advanced metrics. His hard hit rate is 13% higher than last season. So he's really kind of coming into his own in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the 20 home runs are a real possibility. And, you know, I mean, when, when you think about uh, Kiki, right, you didn't think of him as, as a kind of like a, a guy that could uh, give you some, some pop in your lineup. But uh, I, if you hadn't taken him, I was going to take him with the, uh, on the next turn. Yeah, he's 27 years old, so, you know, he's – the fact that he's got an everyday gig now, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Entering into his prime, he could be the kind of late round steal that provides yes. you with a little extra uh, juice in your lineup, and, and certainly some stats there. We'll get into some some box scores uh, and everything else after this, but uh, really a, a big number there. Hater kind of brushed it off. I think he realized that you know he walked a couple of guys before that was his real crime outside of the home run. So. 
We'll come back, take a look at that box score and some others uh, and other news and notes in MLB. So it's Mike and Joe FST on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Follow us on at FNTSY Radio on Twitter. He's at Joe Galina. I'm at Mike Blue. We'll be right back. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Saturday morning. Certainly, you rarely get it on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, but today's your lucky day, I guess. So, uh, taking a look one at the, that one game of the best night. bar songs, man. <laughs> yeah, from back in no the doubt. day, sing-alongs, no doubt. So, uh, all right. So, uh, the box score last night on Dodgers just to sort of clean it up. So, Kike obviously with the big hit. And he goes one for one with a homer in the the three ribbies. Outside of that, Verdugo one for three in an RBI. Bellinger one for four in an RBI. I think uh, was that a homer? No, it was not. So Bellinger with twenty five RBIs on the season. How about that? Yeah, uh, the twenty five home run, um, uh, the twenty five stolen bases, uh, uh, hitting home runs like crazy, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, he had that that incredible start a couple of years back. Uh, it, you know, he had a decent year last year, but uh, this guy has a lot of talent, obviously, man. No other yeah, way yeah. getting around it. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Eric Thames, uh, home run last night. His third. Uh, and Yelich uh, in the first inning off of Ross Stripling. So he Yelich continues to maintain. Joe and I were talking off air to, st- to start the show. And Yelich is really an incredible pace right now he's one for three last night with a run scored two rbis because the two run homer early uh, picked up a walk as well so he's hitting 350 and leads the league with 11 homers and 29 uh, ribbies right now additionally his uh ops is 1255 right now so that doesn't lead the league but it's early and that'll obviously come down and everything else will smooth out but the reality is that Yelich, you talked off air about people expecting some level of regression because um, he can't possibly maintain that MVP pace, but maybe he can. Maybe he's just that good. Well, he definitely is that good. The thing is that last year, uh, I think there was a period of maybe about six weeks where he was just unconscious. And uh, But look, you, you can't take away with what he's done. He's playing in a great ballpark, uh, surrounded with, with a great lineup. And maybe, uh, you know, if he was uh, still on the Marlins, uh, Mike Pagliarulo wouldn't have lost his uh, hitting coach job. Yeah, shout out to Pags, uh, as, as Joe and I as Yankees fans dating back to the 80s and before. He was like a fan favorite uh, yeah. in New York. And Pagliarulo had a pretty good career. But he was Don Mattingly's hitting coach in Miami mm-hmm. and was relieved of his duties because they're dead last in runs. They're going to be dead last in a lot of things this year. <laughs> yeah. Probably wins, probably runs, and probably many more things. Uh, so I always feel like hitting coaches are just the easy firing for teams to make. Um, but the real crime here isn't the hitting coach it's the fact that there isn't enough major league talent quality major league talent to work with yet so um they make the move and you know what what are we 20 games into the in the into the year so sorry to see pags go couldn't have been easy for mattingly i'm sure they're buddies they were in the minors together and they played together on the Mm -hmm, yankees mm -hmm. but um i think this is part of the business and and you move on so uh hey one other thing i want to mention about that dodgers uh uh, brewers box score and you mentioned that uh, eric thames uh hit a a home run and uh jesus aguiar has been slumping terribly so uh this 
you know, Thames has been getting some more starts over the past couple of weeks. He uh, he's uh, hits a right-handed pitching at it. He's pretty good against right, not great, but pretty good against uh, right-handed pitching. And Aguiar, like I said, I think he's batting on the two hundred. So, and yeah, I know uh, from a personal right level. Now. On he's the killing one of my fantasy teams. I think the one that we're in together. So, yeah. <laughs> so maybe uh, we might be seeing a little bit more of uh, Thames moving forward. Unfortunately, yeah. So Aguiar <laughs> pinch hit last night and uh, did not get a hit. In fact, he struck out in his one at bat. One fifty three on the season. It's early, but uh, you know that's a pretty significant slump. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a look at a couple of the other uh, box scores right here. Uh, I watched a bunch of the Yanks last night, so might as well. Uh, talk about that one. Uh, they got it in just before the skies opened up last night, which they are still wide open here in the New York area. Brutal rainstorm right now. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it'll impact the game today, though, because it's supposed to stop <coughs> early afternoon. So I think they might be able to get this game in. Uh, but last night, Gardner uh, one for two. Uh, he hits a big homer last night. And, yeah, he had yeah two-run homer last night off of Junis. And there was an interesting moment there where Maldonado was looking into the dugout for the pitch to be called, clearly didn't like it, and called the pitch anyway. And Junis just grooved it right down the middle. Fastball, and Gardner <laughs> hit it out of the park, and Maldonado was noticeably upset, probably mm. with the bench and Ned Yost. Uh, but that's the reality of what happened. So Gardner hits the home run, uh, puts the Yanks in a good spot. The Yankees uh, sort of, uh, I think, paced this game pretty well. They got good pitching last night. Sabathia uh, opens up the season with back-to-back five-plus inning starts in which he allowed zero runs. Um, He he joined a, a pretty solid group of Yankee pitchers that have done that: Mel Stottlemyre, the the always popular Freddie Garcia was on that list, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, Sabathia gets a win, his first win of the season last night. I mean, from a fantasy standpoint, <clears throat> I don't know what kind of expectations you can have for Sabathia, but he's always been really good at being a grinder. Now, this is his last season. We'll see to what extent he can grind it out. Now. I say he's always been good at being a grinder. That's not dismissing how great he was early in his career, but he was able to evolve. And what I always thought was most impressive about Sabathia, even if his numbers weren't the stuff of Cy Young awards, he has always done a really good job of hanging in games, figuring out how to limit runs when things are going badly and hang in there to get the team a win. I know that's somewhat anecdotal, but th- that's the thing I've always appreciated about him is that the wheels the wheels rarely came off, and they specifically didn't come off in situations where they could have. Yeah, well, the, I saw a stat where he is 15-1 and one with a 2.71 ERA in games where he pitches after a Yankees loss. So right. I think that I think that's a big deal. And uh, what I love about him is that um, it's a mental the, approach. The, yeah, yeah. And over the recent years, he's adjusted where, you know, he finally has accepted that, hey, I'm not the guy, a guy that has that mid 90s fastball anymore. And he's becoming a pitcher. I mean, my, my best memories of him. I mean, obviously, you know, he had some great years for the Yankees. His first year with the Yankees, we won a World Series. I say we, huh? Uh, but remember what he did when uh, he got yeah. traded midseason to the Brewers, how how unhittable he was. But uh, you, you give yeah. a good, yeah, and you give a, a good description. Yeah, I, I could see you calling him a grinder. I mean, look at the career that this guy, I mean, he's going to surpass 3,000 strikeouts probably uh, with his next start or two. Uh, and I saw somebody tweet out, and I, I don't necessarily agree with this, that maybe he could pitch another two or three years and, and, and hang no. around until he gets his 300th win. But I don't I don't agree with that. But, you know, that would you know the knee-jerk reaction that you get. That would take a lot, that would take a lot more than two or three years. He's not pitching enough. Right, right. Right. He's and, not and pitching enough wins. innings to get enough wins. And by, by the way, nobody right. gets a lot of wins anymore. He's going to get to 250. Right. He's got yeah, 247 yeah, he wins. He should get to mm-hmm. 250. Do mm-hmm. you put him in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, the ERA is a little high. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know th- what, uh, right now it's three six nine. But the yeah. three thousand, he'll have the three thousand strikeouts. He'll have the two hundred fifty wins. Uh, I, you know, when you look at who else is in there, I mean, uh, it, to me, comparable stats. Maybe not the same type of pitchers, but a Jack Morris is in there. So if Jack Morris is in there, I think that uh, CC Sabathia could be in there as well. Second in Rookie of the Year Cy Young Award all the way back in two thousand seven. Top five Cy Youngs, one, two, three, four, five times. Been a long time since then, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, you know, All Star games, one, two, three, four, five, six. I don't know if people even care about that when it comes to pitchers, but um, top five Cy Young, five times. The two fifty wins, like you said, the three thousand strikeouts. Where's he at? Right, yeah, he's next start. He could get it. So, mm-hmm. uh, I put him in. I, I you know, those. Those types of numbers are not going to be easy to get to anymore. Even forget Correct. 300, 250 mm-hmm. is not going to be easy to get to anymore um, with the way in the manner in which guys are limited in, in how they throw and not throwing deep into games and getting a lot of no more no decisions. You know, that's I think that's just the state of baseball moving forward. It could it could come back. Scherzer only has 160. <laughs> Right. You know, Scherzer's 34, uh, has 160. He's, you know, one of the last uh, He's guys. He's dominant. You know, yeah, yeah. And he p- pitches deep into games. But you're right that the next crop of uh, starting pitchers, uh, they're just not going uh, deep into games anymore. Yeah, you make, a, you make a great point. 160. And he's got 2,500 strikeouts right now. Mm-hmm. So he'll obviously get to 3,000. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think when. You know, he had 300 strikeouts last year. He could get the, he could get to 3,000 by next year if he continues right. just at his Max Scherzer pace. He get to 3,000 strikeouts next year. Um, and what would you give him? Uh, would you tack thir- Let's say he pitches really well. Give him another 35 wins. He'll be at his 3,000 strikeouts at age 35. And he won't yet be at 200 wins. Right, right. So he's that type of dominant pitcher. He's led the league in strikeouts the last three years. He's had over 250 strikes out, uh, strikeouts in a season each of the last five years. So, yeah, dominant stuff. And is by he, the way, is he a Hall of Famer? Cy Youngs, Scherzer, yeah. yeah, already in. Yeah, already in. If it ended, you look at. In. Yeah, I mean the the three the three Cy Young awards. Uh, that's obviously super impressive, but uh, I guess traditionalists or like people who are real sticklers might say, yeah, this guy's going to probably end up with maybe two hundred, two hundred ten wins. Uh, he's going to have like what you mentioned, the three thousand strikeouts. The ERA is going to be over three. I mean, there are people that will argue probably against it, but there's no doubting that you know from let's say uh 2012 on he's been uh, you know one of the best pitchers in baseball but it's like yeah, these guys that there's... go back and look at Koufax and say yeah it wasn't that great you know like <laughs> nah, it was only a short period of time like yeah. all right but he was the best pitcher yeah. ever yeah, yeah. <laughs> while he was doing it and for what Even i understand Walter he retired Johnson. in his prime right yeah Koufax yeah he was 30 yeah. he was 30 said his arm hurt a lot, and I get it. It did. He said he couldn't straighten his arm, so he retires. It makes sense, right? I, 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 I actually once had a personal conversation with Whitey Ford when he was talking about his retirement. And Whitey Ford, another guy that, you know, the numbers aren't crazy. He obviously dealt with wartime missing uh, – <laughs> He was in military service in 1951 and 1952. I'm looking back on it right now. But Whitey Ford was mm-hmm. 38 years old. He had a 16-year career. He went a long time. But in that last year, in 1967, he retired um, in the middle of the season. And he was pitching well. And I talked about his His ERA was 1.64 that season. He was pitching well. And he said his arm just hurt so much. He just had to stop. They obviously didn't have the rehabilitation, the physical therapy that they have now. So right, right. he just walked away. Middle of the season, he's like, I can't do it anymore. I'm just in too much pain. Um, um, you know, we talked about our eyes going uh, there, Mike. Yeah. Are my eyes deceiving me? Because I just pulled up uh, Sandy Koufax's numbers. 
and uh, there's no, there's no. Uh, it's understandable why his arm hurt because his last two years, for in '65, he was 26 yeah. and eight, 43 games, 41 starts, 335 innings pitched, and then in his last season, 27, 27 and nine, complete games. <laughs> the last two years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, now I understand why your arm hurt. <laughs> yeah. He threw 335 innings and then 323 innings. So he threw 54 complete games in his last two seasons. There's not 54 complete games annually in Major League Baseball now. <laughs> right, right, right. right. Yeah, it's insane. So anyway, uh, we've gotten off on a on a tangent yeah, we did, because of it's C- fun, CC fun, Sabathia. Fun to t- it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because of CC Sabathia's uh, potential Hall of Fame status. Uh, the rest of this game last night, uh, Talkman. One for four. He hits a home run uh, last night. It's just amazing to see this Yankees lineup, like what it looks like now. Uh, Judge got a hit last night. One for three with a run scored. Luke Voigt, one for two with a run scored. Glaber Torres, one for four. Yankees made three errors. It was a little sloppy. Torres made a ridiculous ole kind of error last night. But uh, Higashioka, one for four with a run scored. So Yanks win 6-2. Win goes to Sabathia. Loss goes to Jacob Junis. Um any sense of when some of these Yanks are coming off the DL now, Joe? Uh, well, it's hard to say, but uh, I, I guess we got a little bit of good news where Ander Hoare was able to uh, toss the ball, and he said he, he wasn't feeling any pain. Um, uh, let's see. I mean, uh, like we mentioned, Severino, we're looking at late June, early July. I believe Stanton, I, I don't. I haven't heard a timetable for him, but I haven't heard about any setbacks as well. So, uh, Bird, it, the the addition of Logan Morrison, the Yankees uh, low-key uh, sign of Logan Morrison. Yeah. yeah, and, uh, you know, he could play a few different positions, so you, you wonder – uh, with the, this, is it plantar fasciitis that uh, Bird yes. has, and he really doesn't recuperate yeah. very well. So it's a tear in his plantar know, he, fascia, which is going to be a lot longer than just a strained plantar fascia. Yeah, so that that could be a, a, a long thing. So uh, look, you know, it's un, almost unprecedented to have. A, I think it's about twelve players right now on the IL, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty brutal. Um, Stanton's working through it. Uh, he's saying he could return before the club wraps up a lengthy West Coast trip on May 9th. <laughs> it's only April 20th. And, uh, and, and there's no timetable for Aaron Hicks the last time <coughs> left. I mean, back yes. issues are tricky. So, uh, you know. No batting practice yet. Yeah, that's concern For him. So uh, a couple other news and notes in baseball. We can come back to it in the third hour because we're going to turn the page over to base uh, football uh, after this. Uh, the Athletics extended Chris Davis this year, two-year, I believe, $33 million deal. Aratus Vizcaino underwent season-ending shoulder surgery. So part of my early season strategy of racking up saves and holds with Aratus Vizcaino is over, Joe. We knew this would happen, <laughs> and that's done. So uh, Minter, I believe, is the guy picking up the saves yes. there. So he's already on a team in our league. So... We'll come back. We'll talk football. It's Mike and Joe in hour number two after this.